Good morning, everybody. Uh, we are going to be talking about a pack of thieves today. It's a more serious topic, as Thad mentioned, bitterness. And uh, the, this pack of thieves comes in the form of thoughts that we stream. So all of us are familiar with streaming. Uh, most of us have a smartphone and about, uh, about 30 to 40 gigs of data. That's how much the average American streams just on that phone a month. That's about an hour a day. You know, less if you're older, more if you're younger. And uh, we know what streaming is. And this uh, whole series is called uh, Streams of Thought, which is a, a great title because we, we stream our thoughts. And we can stream our thoughts from our culture. We can stream our thoughts from our social network, our friends and our family, you know, communication, conversation. Uh, we stream our thoughts from our hearts. You know, ideas and images and symbols and memories and things, experiences in the past, we can pull them up into our mind and think about them. We can stream them from our hearts. We can also stream our thoughts from our enemy, Satan. Uh, it's Halloween, and so there's a lot of Satans running around with pitchforks and, you know, red ears and horns, and uh, that's not Satan. Uh, Satan is a, a real person, a supernatural force of power, intelligence, and uh, he wants to destroy all that's good in this world. He wants to destroy us. Primarily, he uses lies. That's his primary weapon. And he wants to steal. He wants to destroy and he wants to kill. And so he wants us to stream our thoughts from him, stream satanic thoughts. Now, this idea of streaming, um, it's, it's, it's a really good metaphor. And so we have to choose the thoughts that we stream. It turns out to be one of the key things that helps us win this battle against this pack of thieves. And this pack of thieves comes as a pack of lies. And basically, they're thought themes. Maybe you've been offended. Somebody hurts you. They wound you. They say something to you. Maybe you've been abused or assaulted. Maybe you've been neglected. Maybe you've been bullied when you were young, maybe years ago. And those events that happened were real. They were wrong. People hurt you. And it was bad. Period. Return. New paragraph. But we think about those things that have happened to us. And when we think about them, if we don't deal with those thoughts and the emotions that come along with it, if we don't deal with those thoughts and emotions, then that leads to resentment and resentment to unforgiveness and unforgiveness into bitterness. And these things work together as a pack. And here's what it will do. It will steal your joy. It will stop your spiritual growth. It will make you physically sick, emotionally sick, mentally sick. Some of you here today may be struggling with mental illness, emotional illness, physical illness, and you've tried lots of things, and it could just be that it's rooted in bitterness. It may not be, but it could be bitterness. Bitterness will make you sick, and it will destroy our church. Bitterness will divide and destroy the church, our church, any church. And so it's a serious topic, and these are thoughts that you don't want to stream. And so today what we're going to be looking at is, what is it? What are the different kinds of bitter thoughts we have? How do we get there? What does God think about bitterness and how do we get rid of it? Now, if we will stream our thoughts from the right source, we can overcome bitterness. You can choose where you stream your your thoughts from. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to stream our thoughts from the scriptures. Okay, we, we stream shows on Netflix, YouTube, Amazon Prime. We, my, I, I work with students. I, I work with young people all the time. They always have their earbuds in. They have, them in a, they have them on all the time. And what they're doing is they're streaming music. Right? You drive, to the, you drive to work, you're listening to the radio, listening to sports, you're streaming sports commentary. 
We watch movies in the background when we do work. We watch sports games in the background or in the foreground. Right? We, we know what streaming means. And our thoughts are not unlike that. It's not identical, but it's a good metaphor. It gives you a good picture. Now, you can stream from the Internet, and that's, that's fine. But God wants us to stream from the Scriptures. Randy talked about in the last two weeks that we have 50,000 thoughts a day, more or less. And God wants a significant portion of those thoughts to come from his thoughts. And you can find what God thinks, what God feels, what God wants, what God believes, what God has done. You find it in the Bible. God wants us to stream from the scriptures. Well, he doesn't want us to stream. You can't stream from the scriptures, Matt. You've got to read the Bible. I know. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Play along. Right? Okay? You stream from the scriptures. And the more you do that, the better your life will be. That's a promise. If you read the scriptures in the book of Psalms, and by the way, if you're a new Christian, if you're trying to figure out how to pray or you feel stuck and you don't really, your prayer life's not great, read the Psalms. The Psalms will teach you how to pray. And the very first Psalm says this. It's awesome. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He thinks about it day and night. He sings it day and night. He talks about it. He memorizes it. He tries to apply it. It's always on his mind. Now, all of us have binge-watched shows. And the next day, we want to talk about those shows. All of us have watched sports all Saturday, morning till night. And then we come to church on Sunday, we want to talk about the game. Because it's residual. It's still there. It's still in our mind. It's still created this current. And we're thinking about it even after we're not watching it anymore. And that's what meditating, that's what streaming the scriptures will do. And what happens if you do that? Like, if you regularly meditate on the Bible, what will God do for you? He says it. He is like a tree. There's another metaphor. Planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and all he has and does is prosperous. So you want to prosper, you want to thrive, you want to have good fruit, fruit of mercy, peace, joy, right? All the good things we want, that stuff grows out of our lives as we stream from God's word. That's the relationship. It's hard to do, huh? How many have a hard time reading the Bible? You have a hard time spending time reading the Bible. You try to read the Bible and then the enemy hits you in a million different ways so that you will never establish a pattern of reading the Bible. Because he knows if you start streaming from the scriptures, everything is going to change. Now, if we are going to stream from the scriptures, then what happens is God begins to transform us from the inside out. And we're able to handle situations very, very differently. For example, somebody hurts you, and that that really wounds you. And the natural reaction is to be offended and to be hurt. And then what happens is it turns into this resentment, and you can't let it go. And then pretty soon you have this bitterness, this sourness that starts bleeding out into your life. And you come to church, or you maybe read the Bible, and you see somebody who's forgiving, and you think, well, that could never be me. But it could be you. If you allow God to transform your mind, I want to show you a a picture of this. Uh, Not too long ago, there was a man named Botham. He was in his apartment in Dallas and a woman walked into his apartment, saw him and shot him, killed him. That woman was an off duty cop and she had made a mistake. She thought she was walking into her apartment. She thought he was intruding in her apartment. She panicked. She killed him. She was uh, arrested, put on trial, found guilty and sentenced to many years in prison. And at the actual trial, the family of the victim was allowed to say some words to her. And what would you say? What would you expect to say? 
What would be the natural reaction? Pain, heartbreak, anger. And imagine what would happen if that just took root in their hearts and they lived for the next month and year and 10 years and 20 years. That tragedy, that injustice against them could cripple them for the rest of their lives. But that's not how they responded. In fact, the younger brother of this guy, Botham, his response was unbelievable. This video went viral all over the world. People couldn't believe what they were seeing. Take a look. I personally want the best for you. And I I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. How in the world did he respond that way? You think that when you face those situations, you can just will yourself to forgive and to feel feelings of mercy? You can't. That's not the way you work. It's not the way you tick. That young man had been streaming from the scriptures. He had been filling his mind with God's thoughts. He knew how much God loved and forgive him. His family clearly did as well. That was just a minute. That thing's like four or five minutes long. I love you. I don't hate you. I don't even want you to go to jail. Who is this guy? How do you become that way? Whatever we think of it, he is not going to be bound by bitterness. Now, this is the thing. One of the fastest ways you can open a door for the enemy in your life, one of the quickest ways to give Satan ground in your life is to give in to bitterness. And like I said before, some of us may be dealing with sickness, stuckness, And it's because of bitterness. But today, God wants to break that. He wants to stop that. He wants you to leave here with a new attitude, heading in a new direction, believing that he can help you rip out root and stem any bitterness or anger or unforgiveness that is binding you up and keeping you from making progress in your life. God wants to do that. He's done that for many people. He doesn't play favorites, and he wants to do that for us. Now, you just can't decide to be this guy. And the reason why is because your will follows your emotions and your thoughts. There's this interesting dynamic between your thoughts and your emotions and your will. And uh, I, I was trying to write down like a one-line summary of it, and I wrote a poem. It's kind of cheesy, but uh, I used to write poems when I was younger. And I was thinking about this and thinking about him, and I was writing. I wrote a poem, all right? I'm just going to read it. Because the poem is my attempt at explaining the dynamic between your thoughts, your emotions, and your will. 
And here it is. What I choose to stream creates currents in my mind, dragging my emotions along with my heart close behind. If I'm streaming thoughts of bitterness and offense and wound, it creates powerful currents in my mind. If you've been in a river with a strong current, it pulls you along. And no matter how much you want to swim against it, no matter how hard you try to swim, you can't. Your will is not relevant in a powerful current. And if you think about the offense and the wounds, it creates currents in your mind and your emotions follow. For example, if I told you right now, feel afraid, I'll give you $10,000 right now, feel afraid. You can't. You don't control your emotions with your will. That's not the way they work. But what you would do is you would bring up thoughts that scare you. And as you think about scary things, you start to feel scared. Many of us struggle with emotions that are strong. They take over. And we try to control the emotion, but we can't. Because the way you control the emotion is by controlling the thoughts. And the things that your heart chooses from, The things that you choose, those things are shaped by your options, which are in your mind. So if you're filling your mind with the right thoughts, you're creating powerful currents in your mind that carry your emotions and your will along. So you have to choose what you stream. That's the key. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at the different ways we get bitter quickly. And then we're going to look at the process that makes us bitter. And then what God has to say about it and how to break free. Now, what are the different kinds of bitterness? You may be thinking, like, this is a great message for my spouse. This is a great topic for them. But it's not. It's, it's, God wants us to be honest with ourselves. So one kind of bitterness you may be feeling is bitterness of life. You may be feeling bitterness towards God. You may be feeling bitterness towards yourself or bitterness towards others. <clears throat> and one of the things is if you start to stream from the scriptures, if you start to stream from the scriptures, then you're going to come across a whole bunch of stories, a whole bunch of seasons. The Bible is 66 books. Let's call it 66 seasons, telling one gigantic story about Jesus. And if you were to read, for example, um, Job, if you were to stream season 18, right? Because Job is the 18th book in the Bible, right? You stream season 18, you watch the story of Job. Here's a guy who was bitter towards life. He had everything. He had wealth. He had health. He had a beautiful family. And in one day, Satan took it all away. And he felt bitter towards his life. He didn't see any reason to go on. I have a verse in there that you can read. And I would encourage you to read that if you're feeling depressed. There are a lot of people in our culture today who are down. Who feel hopeless. Suicide in our culture is up. Drug abuse. People addicted to opioids is up. And that's because they have bitterness of life. They don't see any reason to go on. Everything is sour. That's a common form. God wants to help them. He wants to give them hope. He wants to use us to do it here in this area, wherever you live. But we have got to work through the bitterness in our own lives. He also shows us, if you read the Bible, uh, bitterness towards God. Sometimes we're bitter towards God. There's a book in the Bible called Ruth. It's the eighth book in the Bible, season eight. And in that book, Ruth uh, is a young woman. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, has two sons. They both die. There's no grandkids. There's no one to take care of this old woman. And she sees her friends, and they're like, Naomi, Naomi. And she's like, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She was bitter towards God. And sometimes things happen in our lives and we don't expect them. We don't know why God didn't protect us from them. Or maybe we we think we're doing the right things and then we don't get what we we thought God was going to give us. And you can start to feel bitter, distrustful towards God. We can be bitter towards ourselves. A lot of people, they have a lot of shame and guilt. They're always, you know, 
judging themselves and putting themselves down. And, and that may be because in the past you've committed a sin against someone. You've done some really bad things. And maybe you can't even make it right. Maybe that person is dead. Or maybe that person is gone. Or maybe those circumstances, what you broke, can't be put back together again. And you just, you feel worthless. And every time start, things start to get going, you have this negative, sour view towards yourself. And that's because you don't see yourself the way God sees you. Yes, those were things were wrong. And yes, we have to make them right as best as we can. But God is a God of mercy. And every day his mercies are new. We also have bitterness towards other people. And this is probably the most common form of bitterness. And I'm just going to talk about this for the rest of the message. You may be dealing with bitterness towards God or bitterness towards yourself or bitterness towards life. And we would love to help you uh, with that. But we're going to focus just on bitter towards other people because that's really the most common. If somebody offends me, and I'll tell you my own story. About 15 years ago, I started teaching. And uh, I was teaching AP U.S. history students. And I shared students with an AP environmental science teacher. And my first year was really rough. I had a couple students, about five or six of them that didn't like me, and uh, they made my life miserable. <laughs> they just made it miserable. And uh, they would go to his class and complain about my class, and instead of telling them to you know, knock it off and stop whining and, or come talk, to, come talk to me, he just fed their complaining. He would give them ammunition to come back to my class and kind of use against me. He told them to go complain to, to his boss, and they did. Fortunately, my boss, you know, had some sense because, you know, they, they want to make anonymous complaints. And she's like, you got to leave your name. He's got to have an opportunity to respond. But I was bitter at this guy because he had offended me. He had made my life hard and I resented him. You know, that's what happens next. First, it's offense. Somebody wounds you. Somebody betrays you. Somebody abandons you. Maybe you've been assaulted physically, emotionally, sexually assaulted. It's real. It really hurts. It's really wrong. It's not right. And you want justice, you want recompense, but you don't get it. And so what happens is it starts to smolder like a, like a pile of rags covered in kerosene, lighted on fire. It just kind of burns. It smolders. And that's resentment. And I'm feeling resentment towards this guy. And it's the worst because everybody loves him. Everybody loves this guy. Every time I see him on campus, people are like, you know, laughing and his students love him. And there's this two page spread in the newspaper with him standing next to one of my students, the one who was giving me a hard time with their arms around each other, smiling because he made some car into an engine that ran on canola oil, like French fry grease. And I, you know, uh, it's a pretty liberal town and they love environmental policy and they think this guy's amazing and everybody's cheering for him. And all I can think of is, well, that's not street legal. That's, that's not even, you shouldn't even be able to do that. I mean, I can't even appreciate, you know, and I, I remember I used to, I, he got teacher of the year at the school and then he got AP teacher of California. And then finally I found out that he was leaving and I was like, good. And it was because he got recruited to like the top private high school in California to run their science program. And I, I remember I was driving several years after he was gone and I was driving by this coffee shop and he was out in front and there were all these people sitting around a circle and they were belly laughing at his jokes and I just wanted to punch him. I felt it. I was so bitter. And, you know, when this happened, my spiritual life just kind of stopped. I remember I, I didn't really want to read the Bible. I just kind of felt uh, dry. I don't know what the words are, but I had no sense that it had anything to do with this bitterness that I felt towards this guy. And I, I, didn't, I didn't tell him. I didn't deal with it. I just stewed in it. Now, when we get into this cycle, this begins to stop our spiritual growth. It begins to unleash sickness in our bones. 
it can, if it happens in a church like ours, you know, you're offended by somebody. Maybe somebody here has offended you. Maybe you had expectations for a leader. Maybe somebody said something to you and it just rubs you the wrong way. Maybe, maybe somehow somebody here has offended you. And if you don't deal with that, then what happens is it turns into resentment and resentment turns into gossip and I'm not going to participate. I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to protect myself because I don't like that person. And it begins to divide the church and then we can't accomplish the mission that God has given us. Because what you saw in that video, that young man forgiving that woman who killed her brother, that is the kind of thing that convinces people that Jesus is really who he says he is. That he is the only one who's ever lived who can turn people around inside out. He's the one who can transform us. He's the one who can save us. When they see that kind of radical love and forgiveness and mercy. But division and bitterness, people got that at home. They don't need to come to church for that. They got that at home. So the bitterness is common. And you've got to ask yourself right now, are you dealing with any kind of anger towards someone? Is there any unresolved conflict? Is there any bitterness that's setting in? Now, what does God think about it? Well, if you, if you stream season 57, see what I'm doing there, right? Hebrews is the 57th book of the Bible. If you read that book and you read Hebrews 12, you'll come across this passage. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble And by it, many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. So what is this telling us? What does God think about this? Well, first of all, bitterness is on par with sexual immorality. Prostitution, yeah, that's wrong. You know, uh, sex trafficking, that's wrong. Adultery, that's wrong, right? We say all these things. We know sexual morality is not good, that it cuts us off from God, but we don't put bitterness in that category. Bitterness is a real problem. And it will do four things. It will cut us off from God. It will cut us off from God's grace. It will make us sick and crippled. And it will sicken and cripple our church. If you read the passage, it says that without holiness, no one will see God. Now, holiness is purity. It's light. It's love. It's good. It's unmixed. God is holy. He's all good. No bad. He's all love. No hate. Or or malice. Ill will. And what God wants is he wants us to also be holy. And when we're bitter towards someone else, that cuts us off. And we don't want to be near God. Now, here's the thing. It says it cuts us off from God's face. You don't see God. What's that mean? Well, here's here's this person over here I'm bitter at. I'm bitter at Bob. I don't like him. I'm mad at him. And God is working good in Bob's life. God is trying to help this person. God is working all across the world right now, doing good for people, holding back trouble, trying to open their eyes so they can have a relationship with him. God is working good. And he wants to hand you a piece of that work. He wants you to do good deeds for Bob. He wants you to pray for Bob. He wants you to love Bob. I'm not going to love Bob. Bob sent students to make my life miserable when I was a teacher. Right? I'm not going to love Bob. Bob said a mean thing to me. I'm not going to love Bob. You don't know what he did to me. And so God is over here working and blessing and loving. And he wants to give you a peace, but you don't want a peace because you're mad at Bob. In that way, it cuts you off. It's not the only way. I'm sure there's lots of ways it cuts you off from the face of God. But that was the way I was thinking. I don't want to be over with that person. I don't want to participate in what God is doing because I'm bitter at them. 
It also cuts me off from God's grace. You see, when you become a Christian, what happens is God takes his spirit and he puts it inside of you to give you the power that you need to transform. And that spirit is overflowing with love and mercy and compassion and empathy, right? That's the spirit of God. And when those emotions and those thoughts are overflowing towards this person, I am choking them down. I don't want that. I don't want to show mercy. I don't want to show love. I don't want to express any of those things. And so I'm choking off the grace of God in my life. I mean, I'm not even mentioning the fact that God has forgiven me for the sins I've committed against him. But I don't even want to allow the emotions and thoughts and desires of God to overflow in me into that person's life. And it chokes off God's grace. And that makes us sick and cripples us. I wonder how many Christians are angry and sick because of their anger and their bitterness. I mean, everybody, right? But, but especially in the church where there's supposed to be forgiveness and mercy. I mean, I felt it towards that teacher and it really started to mess me up. And then it cripples our church as you just take all those other things and put them together. If we're, if we're angry at one another, it's, we're, we're not willing to trust and take a step forward. I'm not going to be in that group. I'm not going to be on that team. I'm not going to attend that event. I'm not going to smile at that person. I'm not going to talk to that person. I can't trust that person. And it begins to divide. It would divide a basketball team. It would divide a Cold Stone ice cream store. It would divide anything, right? Bitterness divides groups of people, especially the church. And our enemy wants to do that. By getting us to stream these sour thoughts. So how do you break free? Uh, First step is you have to start streaming God's word. We already talked about that. You've got to choose to spend regular, quality, consistent time reading the Bible. This is the duty of every Christian. It's a discipline. We're in a spiritual battle. We need our weapons. Now, if you read the Bible, one of the things you're going to come across are verses like this verse. Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge. Don't be bitter. Don't get him back, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. That is a terrifying verse. God does not take kindly to people mistreating his children. And he will repay those who do so. Wow. You see, if all I'm streaming is from my culture and from my social network and from my heart and streaming satanic thoughts, then all I think it is is me and that person who hurt me. And if I don't get justice for myself, who's going to give me justice? And the answer is no one. But when I stream from the scriptures, God gives me a very different picture of my scenario. It's me and that person who hurt me and God. And God is telling me that he's going to take care of me. And with that truth, I can begin to let go of my need to get them back, of my need to make them pay. The, the soil begins to loosen. Those roots begin to break, break up. The more that I stream the scriptures, the more able I am to see what's really going on. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to binge. Binge on the Bible. Now, everybody, how many of you have binge watched a show? Be honest. You're up to like 2 in the morning watching like the 65th episode. The season comes out on Tuesday. You're done with it on Wednesday night. Okay, so let's be real. We can we all have no problem spending incredible quantities of time focusing our attention on a screen. It's not that we can't. It's that we don't. But if we were to binge on the Bible, 
If we were to read the scriptures, stream the scriptures, we come across Romans 12, 19. We're like, this doesn't make sense. I mean, is God really going to take care of me? Can I really live this way? What does that look like? And then you begin to study the Bible. You begin to dig in in all the ways you can dig in. You're going to come across an amazing set of stories. For example, if you read the stories of Jesus, here's a guy, right? We're at church. We worship Jesus Christ. We, we think, Christians think he's awesome. And he's being murdered. He's being nailed to a cross. And while they're nailing him to the cross, he's praying for them. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, how does he do that? I remember when I first read that, and I really got it. I could see it, and I could feel it. Because before that, it says, they said, hey, you healed everybody. Why don't you take yourself off the cross? Come on, you said you're the king of kings. Pull yourself down. And inside of me, I'm like, yeah, get him, Jesus. Hit him with lightning. You know, I'm fired up. And his response is, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when I saw that, that's not me. When I read that, I thought, that's not me. I'm not like that. But I want to be. When I start watching these stories play out in front of me from the scriptures, I get a very different picture of humanity. And I want to be that way. I want to be like that kid. But I won't want to be it if I don't see it. And I won't see it if I don't binge in the Bible every once in a while. That's really true. There's another story about Stephen. I'm not going to go into it, but it's the same thing. They take him outside the city and they throw rocks at his head. And it says, as the murderous stones headed towards his face. They called those stones murderous. The last thing he said is, Father, forgive them. Just like Jesus. Paul did it too. The point is this. When we're dealing with bitterness, we need a different picture of people responding to offense and hurt. And if we read the scriptures, we will see it. And then it makes us ask the obvious question, how are these people doing this? Why does this make any sense? Because it doesn't make sense. And then we have to do the next step, which is we've got to watch the behind the scenes. Wow, he's really taking this far. Yes, I am. Now, the, the Bible, it, you know, you can talk about it. it's a library, it's a book, it's God's word, and those things are true. But the second half of the New Testament is actually letters written to the churches. They're not all letters to churches, but they're basically smaller, shorter letters. And they're, they're kind of like the behind the scenes. Now, all of us know what it's like to get really excited about a sports team. And then the next day, on the way to work, we're listening to talk radio where they're chopping apart the game play by play. Some of you are really into Star Wars and you can't wait for the next movie to come out. You're watching all the behind the scenes. So we know what it means to watch the behind the scenes. It means we want to get into it. We want to know more. We want to see how it ticks. And if you want to know what made Jesus tick on the cross and Stephen say, Father, forgive them. And Paul say, Father, forgive them. If you want to know what's going on on the inside, read these letters. They're like behind the scenes. And you know what? If you read one of them, one of them that Peter wrote. It says this about that Jesus thing we just we just saw. It says, when they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. I know he should have. He should have got him. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. What? He entrusted himself. What's that mean? What's that mean? What's that word? Entrust me. It means he trusted God to give him justice. He could let it go because he knew his father was going to pick it up. What? Really? And you start to meditate on that verse day and night. You're driving to work and you're thinking about it. And you're like, how does that make sense? And as you do, God's spirit begins to open your mind so you understand what that verse means. And when that verse is true to you, it's true, period. It is absolutely true. But when it becomes subjectively true to you, 
then it makes sense to not be bitter. Faith is not living without your brain. If you read the scriptures, it will make sense why you can let go of bitterness. But first you've got to see that human highlight reel that is Jesus' life and Paul and Stephen. And then you want to know why it's happening and you read behind the scenes and you get verses like this. And then God begins to break it up and now you can take some big steps. Here's the next big step. Ask God to show you your bitterness. Ask God to show you. God, I can see that there's something going on inside of me. I may be sick. I may be stuck because I'm bitter, but I'm not quite sure where it is. Would you show me? And a great verse to memorize and to meditate on is Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It's a great prayer. Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Know my bitter thoughts. Know my angry thoughts. See if there's any offensive way within me. Is there anything going on inside of me that I can't see because I don't want to be bitter anymore? And lead me in the way of everlasting. You can pray that, and God will show you. And once he starts to show you, what he's going to show you are your thoughts. So here's Frankel, and he's driving to work, and he's really, really mad at this teacher, and God has been showing him that he's bitter, and God's been telling him, you've got to let that go. And here comes this memory that I have, and God says, capture that thought, delete that thought. And so I start saying in my car out loud, I'm driving up Monta Vista, and if somebody's looking at me in my car, I look nuts. And I'm yelling, I am not going to think this thought. In the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke the enemy. See, that's the way I learned how to tell the devil to shut up. There's other ways you could tell the devil to shut it up. That's how I say it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. Be quiet. I'm not going to think these thoughts. I am not going to be mad at this person. And once you start capturing your thoughts, once you stop, start deleting those kinds of thoughts, what happens is it brings the temperature down. And now you can do the next thing, which is begin to pray for them. Jesus prayed for them. Stephen prayed for them. That young man was praying for her. He was proclaiming over her blessing. And when you, you want to be, you want to stop being mad at somebody, start praying for them. One of the fastest ways to get angry, to get rid of angry towards somebody is to pray for them. And so I have to start praying. Father, I pray for him. I pray that his classes would be great. I pray that you'd make him the best teacher he can possibly be. If there's any conflict in his family, I just pray that you'd help him resolve it. Open his eyes so that you can see that you love him, that you exist, because he doesn't think you exist. And I just pray that you bless his life. And as you pray for these people who make you mad, you can feel it. It's like when you take a shovel and you get it in the ground underneath a plant and you hear it crack. You know what I'm talking about? When you get under the roots and you can feel it crack, that's what happens when you start praying for people. But you're not going to pray for people. Unless you want to pray for people. And you're not going to want to pray for people unless you can see the good in praying for people. And you're not going to see the good in praying for people unless you are filling your mind with the scriptures. One leads to the other. And then the coup de grace, the big move. The big move. Do good for them. Do good. You actually do good for the person that's done bad for you. You repay good for evil in whatever way you can. So with this teacher, what that was for me was I had to say nice things about him. I didn't flatter, but when my students would come from his class to my class and talk about how awesome it was, I would say, you know what? He's a really good teacher, isn't he? And it was hard to do it. But that was what God showed me I could do that was immediately good for him, was to promote his reputation for the things he really was doing that were good. And you know what? A couple years after that, I was driving again and I saw him. And I didn't feel the bitterness. And now I'm about to cry because it just so, it moves you, it moves your heart when you feel the, the root ripped out of you. And you, you, you're so grateful that God has done that for you. 
But it takes time. And these really are the steps. I mean, they could be six, or they could be five, they could be four. I'm sure you could combine, combine some of these seven steps. But this is what it takes to break free from it. This is what God wants to do. So now we're going to wrap up. And I'd like you to uh, look at some of the next steps that you can choose. I'd like you to imagine what God could do in your life. Because right now, some of you may have your joy and it's been soured. That's what it means to be bitter. Bitter means sour. It means poison. It means tart. It means tainted. And maybe the joy in some area of your life has been stolen. But God wants to give you that joy back. And maybe there's some sort of uh, conflict in your life. I mean, there, there are people that literally can't go to certain parts of their community because that's where that person is that I don't like anymore. There are people who can't go to certain family functions during the holidays because there's so much bitterness between them and somebody else. They, they, they can't even go. Parts of their life are cut off because of it. And that can all change. And let me tell you what, your family who doesn't know Jesus Christ... They see you reconciling to this person. They want to know how, why, you know. And that is something that really convinces them that maybe this Jesus guy, he really is who he says he is. Our unity and love will help us accomplish our mission. So the question is for you, are you willing today to pray that prayer? Father, show me if there's any bitterness in me. And begin to take the steps that it takes to rip out root and stem that bitter tree with that bitter fruit. Here's the next step. We like to do next steps. It transfers the, the energy from the message into your life. So here it is. First of all, you may be here and you have never decided to follow Jesus. But something about what has been said is tapping on your heart and you're like, this is true. I want to be like that young man. I, I know enough about Jesus to, to know what he's claiming and I want to follow and serve him. And if you would like to do that, we would love to help you. And you can let us know in the connection card that you'd like to meet with someone to talk about what it means to become a Christian. Or maybe you are a believer and you just need to spend some time streaming from the scriptures because you realize that maybe this, there is some bitterness in me. I haven't really thought it that way. So I want you to read a passage from this handout, just one a day. This is a, a good collection of verses on this topic. And God can really use it to break up the soil. Or, number three, maybe you want to apply one of the seven steps. You know, maybe, maybe you do read the Bible regularly. Maybe you can think of all the stories that I've said, but you really haven't asked God to show you. Or maybe you have, have asked God to show you, but you're, you're not really willing to pray for this person or do good for this person. You just, you're not going to do it. And that may be what God has said to you today. Finally, all of us, all of us can think of someone who at some time has hurt us. And what we can do is each time that thought comes up is we can pray for them. And then do good for them uh, in whatever way possible. I hope this has encouraged you. And um, I'm going to end with us with, with some prayer. Let's pray. Father, we do um, want to be free from bitterness. You, you have forgiven us. You're not bitter. Uh, we, we have sinned against you. And yet you have uh, generously forgiven and loved us. And even when we still sin against you, you still are always good, willing towards us, loving us. We want to be like that. But in order to do that, Lord, we, we have to transform our minds. We have to change our thoughts. And we need your help. We just pray that you give us the desire to stream from the scriptures. That you'd open our eyes to understand uh, who you are from the scriptures. That you give us desire to let go of past offenses. We pray that you break free, uh, all of us, from any kind of bitter bondage that we're in. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.